go ahead and get right in tonight. And the last week we started a, I didn't really know it was going to be a series, but obviously it was too lengthy for one night. So we need to finish this tonight. And it was called The Church Today. And uh, we were looking in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 through 4 specifically. So we'll continue that. And we were talking about uh, uh, the church where it's at today, the body of Christ. Not specifically this church, but the entire body of Christ. And uh, specifically the American church. Uh, um, hallelujah. But we talked about the fact that the mature church, you know, how many of you believe Jesus wants us to mature? And all through the Word of God, He talks about growing up in Christ. And so the mature church is spiritual. The mature church is holy. In other words, they're not hanging out. The mature church isn't hanging out at the bars on Saturday night and then coming. They live a holy lifestyle. Hallelujah. The mature, the, the mature church is ever-changing. You, you aren't mature if you're not, you're not willing to change and grow. And, you know, we're going to have to grow with Jesus as He unfolds His plans and as He... As the, as the revelation of the Word is, becomes more progressively known, we, uh, we have to be willing to change, hallelujah, and grow. So the mature church is ever-changing. The mature church is full of love. They're not backbiting and, and uh, gossiping and hurting one another. The mature church is full of love. And when you're mature in Christ, you try... And we all mess up, but you try to do everything you can from the perspective of love. That's your constant, it's kind of like, it, it's, it's kind of keeping you in line all the time. Sometimes we would like to do something. We'd like to say something. We'd like to, we'd like to give some, and sometimes we slip up and we do. You know, it's something just, I mean, something just triggers us and we tell somebody and, you know, sometimes it, it, you know, it's so often it's our spouse because we pretty good at putting on that love or at least faking it around other people. But our spouse, you know, we'll kind of let our hair down. And if there's, if we're tense about everything else, they're going to get the heat of it, Right. Sometimes it's the dog. Did you ever kick the dog? Oh, the cat. Well, I never had a cat, but I can tell you, I think I've kicked my dog a few times when I had dogs, especially growing up. And I didn't have any brothers and sisters. I had to take my frustration out on something. Anyway, so the mature church is, uh, is full of love, but at the same time, the mature church is not, it's not this greasy grace type of stuff where we just let anything go. The mature church is also without compromise. It's not a compromising kind of love. And then also the mature church knows who they are in Christ. And that's so important. We've been learning at Word of Life Church, who we are in Christ. And not just learning it once, but keeping ourselves refreshed in that of who we are in Christ. And 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 even going on, you know, uh, the revelation is not over. There's more to know about the new birth. There's more to know about who we are in Christ and what we were made when... Um, uh, when we were born again. So they know who they are in Christ. The mature church is not ashamed. Not ashamed. You know the mature church is not closet charismatics. That's it. 
You know what I'm saying? If you're still hiding the fact that you baptized in the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues. Now, I mean, we don't have to walk to the door and speak in tongues to the UPS man. We're not talking about stuff like that. Hallelujah. But on the other hand, praise God, we're not ashamed. Somebody say, you speak in tongues? Well, I'm not ashamed. I'm proud. The mature church is not ashamed. The mature church is not hiding out somewhere pretending they don't have anything and they're not different. You know, really, if you are pretending you're not or you, and you don't tell anybody, then uh, you're probably really not. You know what I'm saying? You're not really, you may have had a one-time experience, but hallelujah. The power shows up. Glory shows up on you and you won't be able to hide it. So we need to be not ashamed. The mature church is bold and passionate. Hallelujah. The mature church insists on the truth. And the mature church will not stop. In other words, we're not stoppable. We can't stop. Even when we want to stop, we don't stop. We're not, we're not willing to stop. We can't, we, you know, every once in a while the flesh comes up and says, I'd like to just throw in the towel, but something in us, inside of us, hallelujah, rises up and says, no, I won't stop. I can't stop. You know, I don't even know how to stop. Hallelujah. Really. The true church is the church 168 hours a week. You know there are 168 hours in every week. The true church is not just the church for an hour on Sunday morning or an hour and a half if if your church service goes that long. Or even an hour and a half on Sunday, an hour and a half on Wednesday. The true church, and I'm not talking about being in a building all the time. I'm talking about being the church. Being, being, being a, a kingdom-minded, being an active member of the church, being in the army of God, hallelujah. Being a part of the body, being a joint that supplies, hallelujah. Amen? So 168 hours a week. The, hallelujah. That, that might be foreign to some people. The true church gives their attention to the kingdom all the while they are working jobs, running businesses, raising children, and keeping a home. You know, the true church doesn't say, well, now when my kids get raised, I'll give some time to God. Listen, hey, I've already proved you wrong because I already raised two and, and never missed a beat as far as church was concerned. And, you know, it, Hallelujah. So it, it, it's not even hard. It's not even hard. When you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, hallelujah, and you realize that these children are just things, just things, <laughs> just people that you've been made a steward over. They don't really even belong to you. God just said, you can just take care of this for me. And I've given you the privilege of raising and enjoying, but they're not your whole life. And they are going to leave. I didn't like to think that, but mine did leave. And you know what? They're just not even concerned if they don't see me all week. Neither one of them are, co- are concerned at all. If I, you know, sometimes we we'll go, might go somewhere every once in a while. I don't see them for two weeks or more. They're not concerned a bit. Now, I'm all over it. Like, I hadn't seen you in a week. But they're like, no big deal. No big deal. Hallelujah. It's, it's a very temporary thing, raising children. Hallelujah. Don't wrap your whole being into it. 
because you're going to be so sadly disappointed and let down. Your feelings are going to be hurt all the time. All the time, I'm telling you. Even if you have good kids. I have good kids, but if I let myself think, well, I, I sit around on Saturday night and I, I wish Eric and Colin would come over tonight. Well, I'd be just, I, I'd just be wasting my time. I'll, I'll tell you, it, they're going to come over on Saturday night if I call and say I'm cooking. And that's, and that's the only time they're going to come on Saturday night is if I'm cooking. And they didn't get a better offer first. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, and that don't mean they don't love me. That just means they grew up. Hallelujah. I don't know who that was for, but, you know, a lot of times people need to let go. You got to let go. They don't want you or need you anymore. But they do need your prayers. And that's, the, that's how you affect, and that's how you keep on influencing their life is through prayers. But a lot of the things that you are, now I need to, especially after they're grown, I know when Eric went to college, well, I would say, you know, so I'd see him on Wednesday night. He said it was easier to come to church than explain why he didn't. And that was the only reason he came when he was in college. He knew he'd have to answer to me. I'd be calling him as soon as it's over. So it was just, so, I mean, you know, you'd like to think they were more spiritual than that. And so I would say, Eric, you know, he would tell me something that was happening in his life, and I'd say, you need to pray about that. Or I'd say, have you prayed about that? Now, have you prayed? And he'd say, got it under control. He always said that phrase, got it under control. He told me about a year ago, he said, that didn't mean anything. That's just what I told you to get you. Hallelujah. Take take it from me. You're wasting your breath. Just pray. Just pray. You won't waste your breath if you're praying. Okay. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You can always cut the flow off of money, too, if all else (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That'll get them coming back around. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Offer money, they'll come to see you. Offer a meal, they'll come. Hallelujah. That's good. I don't know why I went there, but I did. So, <clears throat> hallelujah, I'm led by the Spirit. God wanted to help somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Don't let your kids ups keep you upset all the time, all your, your grown kids. Hallelujah, because the devil will use that to upset you if you'll let him. And you'll be fret. You know, yeah, it's like once your kids are grown, just have fun. I mean, just go have fun. Hey, it's so cheap to eat out compared to hiking four kids somewhere or three kids or two kids. Hallelujah, two people. You can quit going to McDonald's. You can start going to a steak place. Hallelujah. That's true. That is really true. So we've been talking about being the true church. So giving your attention to the kingdom is what we're talking about. And you know, once your kids are grown, you have, oh, it's so wonderful because then you can give 100% of your attention to the kingdom. You and your husband or wife together, you can devote your life to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. You can pray. You, you can pray. It's, so, it's wonderful. And I know some of you still got little kids at home. That's okay. That's okay. But I'm, I'm just saying, you don't get so tied up in them even when they're little that, that you just, that, 
because you're you you are you are a person in the kingdom and you have gifts and callings that that hallelujah you still need to be developing and you still need to be growing in Christ even when you have little kids so that when they graduate you don't start at square one and all of a sudden okay now it's time to because it'll be you'll be so you you got to grow all along you got to keep on growing and you know kids give you great opportunity to grow they'll teach you some things hallelujah they'll teach you how to walk in love how they'll teach you patience they'll teach you how to to, to they'll teach you how to also not be compromising because you got to discipline them even when you don't feel like it. Even if you're the most soft-hearted, tender-hearted person in the world, you, the, you've got to follow through and have good discipline. You don't want to raise a, uh, you know, you don't want to raise one that's just wild. And so you have to, it teaches you a lot having kids. In fact, I believe having children gives you balance. And I don't know anybody in here that doesn't have children, but if I say something, I don't mean this to hurt your feelings. But we have, God has given us the privilege of having several friendships where they don't have children. And I love all these people, but they're not normal. They aren't. They don't act like normal people when they don't have children. Children make you normal. And I, 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 it's really true, isn't it? It really is. They... They don't function the same way as normal people. Now, I still love them, and we still have a good time with them, but they're just not normal. And I didn't say that. So, <laughs> hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. So, I'm not, I think everybody in here is pretty normal because your kids made you normal. All right. <clears throat> so, in these churches that are in the book of Revelation, we found out last week that there was an angel for the church. And we found out two things. First of all, that they, when it's talking there, it's talking about angel and messenger. It's really talking about the pastor of the church. But also, uh, we stated, and I do believe this, that in uh, every church, there is a head angel that is assigned to that church, especially if that church was birthed and planted by God. And um, not every church is birthed and planted by God. You do know that, don't you? And... Uh, <clears throat> Praise God. Um, there's an angel assigned to that church, and that angels, many angels really, and then angels can be added to churches, and angels can be taken away depending on the calling and the job that the, that church and whatever that church is called to do right then and there in that period of time. We found out last week there's seven churches in the book of Revelation. Uh, just want to remind you that those were literal churches back when John he got the revelation from Jesus Christ on the Isle of Patmos about the churches. Those were literal churches, but those churches are also figurative in the sense that they were all these book this book of Revelation was written to us to study. And these conditions that were in these seven churches are in the church, the body of Christ today. And we are to know the strengths of these churches and to emulate the strengths, work towards the strengths, and we're to know the weaknesses and we're to not repeat them. We don't want to repeat those weaknesses. Uh, <clears throat> the book of Revelation repeatedly tells us, and we saw this last week, that God has a reward for those that overcome. 
I think we need to be reward-focused, and we need to be aware of the reward all the time. The Bible says Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He was very reward-conscious. He knew the outcome and what was going to turn out. And that's the only way th- the way he, that was the only way he was able to get through a horrible thing, which was the cross, the death, the, the beating, the, 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 the garden of Gethsemane. He got through that for the joy that was set before him. And that's the way we will overcome is with, we are very highly tuned to the reward and the reward, the reward, let me remind you is not all heavenly. There's reward now for overcoming, but then there's also heavenly reward. And he speaks often in the book of Revelation about the rewards for overcoming. And pastor always says overcoming means to come over. That means there's something, there's hindrance, there's tribulation, there's problems, there's something you're going to have to come over, overcome. There's going to be trials and difficulties that we have to overcome. Brother Hagin's used to say, the Christian life is not uh, like ripe cherries falling off of a tree. You know, the blessings aren't just like ripe cherries falling off of a tree. No, there's things to overcome. There's trials, afflictions, difficulties that we have to overcome. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. In John it says... um, uh, in the world he shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Another place it says that he always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. So we know the end is triumph. We know he's, if we will just stay with it and stick to it, he will always cause us to overcome. The only way you're going to fail not to overcome is if you quit. Amen. So it's you're, you're going to win if you'll just keep going. So in the book of Revelation, he, recur- he re- encourages us over and over to overcome. He says that he, if you'll overcome, he'll give you, cause you to eat of the tree of life. You know, I'm going to tell you all the wing things he says about overcoming and what he's going to do for you. I can tell you, I don't understand some of this reward. But I just know it's got to be good. Like he says, he, you'll not be hurt in the second death if you overcome. He says, if you overcome, I'm going to give you to eat of the hidden manna. I don't know what that means, but hallelujah. Uh, he says, I'm going to give you a white stone with a new name that no man knoweth. He says, if you overcome, I'm going to give you power over the nations. I know what that's talking about, partly. Partly, that's talking about, that. There, there's twofold on that. That's talking about a, the millennial reign when some of us are going to rule over nations. You're going to get assignments in heaven uh, based on what you do here on the earth. And so... Uh, <clears throat> Assignments in the in the millennial reign based on what you do do here over in the earth. Turn over to Revelation 22, and I'll show you that in the Word. And, and you need to mark that in your Bible, Hallelujah. Because somebody told me about it once, or I heard them say it, and then I looked for three years for it because I couldn't remember <laughs> where it was. Hallelujah. So mark this and write out uh, a job assignment, millennial reign, something out beside it, Revelation 22, 12. Don't you, I just, I like when I, once God reveals a scripture to me, I like to be able to know where it's at. 
because he'll remind you of it. It says in Revelation 22, 12, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Notice he didn't say, I'm going to give every man according to what his work was on the earth. No, he says, I'm going to come with your job assignment and give every man according to what his work shall be. We're going to go to heaven and we're going to work and we're going to come back for, and for a thousand years we're going to work for Jesus. We're going to have a, there's going to be a millennial reign. And some of you will be mayors over cities. Some of you will be governors over states. And I'm, and yay, buddy, it's going to be like you say it's going to be. And that's what we're going to do for seven years is we're going to learn how to rule and reign in the earth with Jesus. Hallelujah. And some of you are going to, you may, you know, you know, you may be head of just a little town, but hallelujah, you're going to get an assignment depending on your faithfulness. And a lot of people are going to be serving under you. And the people, you know, like people that were assigned to this church, it says this in the Bible. If they were assigned to this church and oh, they got all this ground and they left and they didn't, and you know, they're still assigned to this church. God didn't change his mind. You know, and if that happens, the Bible says they're going to come bow before us. Hallelujah. And repent. They're going to come bow before us and they're going to repent. And you know, guess what? In the millennial reign, they'll be the janitor. That's it. They, you know, they're not getting, they're not going to get, because they didn't stay faithful. They let their feelings get in the way. They let their, uh, you know, they just, whatever. You know, and you know, we're not trying to be ugly or anything. We're just telling you the truth is you get your assignment for being faithful and for doing what God calls you to do here on the earth. I, and this is one reason we're preaching this and one reason the Holy Spirit says this. Listen, y'all, this is a lot more serious, this kingdom living, than the church is taking it right now. We are in this, this and the worst in the world is the Spirit-filled church. The ones that know the most are the ones that are the least serious. Look around. The least serious, the least diligent. They got the message of grace. They've taken, they know that they have liberty in Christ Jesus because they've been hearing, hearing liberty taught now since the 1960s. That we are not saved by works and that we are righteousness is, we don't get our righteousness by works. And so since 1960, the church has been hearing it. And Galatians says, don't use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. But the church at large, especially the Spirit-filled church, is using their liberty as an occasion to the flesh. They come when they want to. They miss for every reason. You know, it's just any little thing. I actually know that sometimes people look for a reason not to come. They have them, you make sure you don't have this mentality of, I'm going to go to that meeting if nothing comes up. If you've got that mentality, you need to change it. You need to jerk the slack out. But you can have that about all sorts of, you may not have it about Wednesday night, but do you have it about prayer? Do you have it about what is your mentality toward it? Just, ah, man, I just, God understands. This is, not if you're called to it, he don't understand. You know, this is not greasy grace. 
Hallelujah. In the Spirit-filled church, I want to tell you, it made me, it makes me mad. Sometimes if we come out here for our Sunday night, I tell you what, you drive by Westside Church of Christ, it is packed out on Sunday night. Because they're taught, if you don't come, you're going to go to hell. If you don't take communion on Sunday, you go to hell. And if you aren't Church of Christ, this Church of Christ, you go to hell. And so I'm not advocating that we preach that, but sometimes it makes me mad that, hallelujah, that you take, that we take grace and we've used it to, to be weak. Hallelujah. Don't shout me down now. Hallelujah. Just cause I'm preaching real good. Hey, I, praise God, I could, I could, I'll try to reel it in, not step so hard on your toes. Or anybody's. Maybe it's not even you. You're here on Wednesday night, but still we got to guard ourselves against these attitudes. Praise God. And that doesn't mean, hey, we got to stay in balance where we go. Oh, you know, God's going to get me if I don't go. That's not what we want. No, we, uh, we are called to works, uh, but we're called to work because we love. Amen. He says in, uh, that in, if we overcome, he will clothe us in white raiment. He will not blot our name out of the book of life, but he will confess us before his Father and before his angels. Hallelujah. He says if we overcome, he will make us a pillar in the temple of our God, and he, we shall go no more out, but he, and you will write upon us the name of our God and the name of the city of our God, which is the new Jerusalem. I don't understand that reward, but I want it. I don't want to get up there and say, you know, you didn't qualify for that one. You've had to overcome. Well, and I think sometimes we think overcoming just means, well, you know, I did get saved. No, overcoming is and getting a reward is more than just getting saved. Yeah. Hallelujah. We're going to have to overcome some things. We're going to have to overcome the pull the world is pulling, 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 pulling. Go here, go there, do this, do that. We have to overcome the pull. The TV pulls, the, the internet pulls us. There's so much activity. And first thing you know, you've used all your time on Facebook and the internet. And then you don't have the laundry done. You don't have the house clean. And it's like, man, I can't go to church. The kids don't have clothes to wear tomorrow. I can't go to church. I got to do the laundry. Nobody's had any food. I got to go to the grocery store. Well, you got on, you were on Facebook half the day. I know because, you know, I don't like this, but I'm not even, I'm not even pointing anybody, but you can tell some people are on there a lot because if you're their friend, it shows up if they're on there. Every time you get on there, on there. Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting. And listen. If you don't have your laundry done, your house clean, you hadn't done your praying, you aren't on Facebook. Life is not a bowl of cherries. Life is not, let's play, let's have fun. No, life is answer the call and do what God's called you to do. And He will see to it that you are rewarded and that you do enjoy it. Hallelujah. And it is a discipline. I mean, I have to tell myself, no, you're not going to read that book. And I don't mean a bad book. I'm just talking about that's not the priority right now. I've got to do this. And I'm not, no, I don't even turn Facebook on or the Internet. And there's some good things in Facebook. Don't get me wrong. I think there's some good to it. A little. Mostly it's social. But there could be a way 
and I'm looking for this, and I hadn't found it yet, to influence people for Christ through Facebook. And I haven't been good at it yet, because I'm not a good writer, and I, I go to think, what could I say about Jesus in my whole... I lock down, and I can't think what to say. So, pastor should be on Facebook, because he could be, he'd be filling it up, you know. And some people are good at that, and I appreciate the ones that are really lifting up the name of Jesus on there. But there's other people, like Pastor West said, that are saying, well, my, oh, oh, I've got this one friend. Well, her dog is just regurgitating and acid refluxing all the time. I am so tired of hearing about Sadie acid refluxing. And she's one of those that don't have any kids. There it is. I told you. Not normal to be so focused on a dog having acid reflux. That that is all day, every day. Am I, am I telling y'all the truth? Hallelujah. You know, hallelujah. You really have to judge yourself. You, it's a constant discipline of yourself. And there's so many things, you know, pulling on us. Hallelujah. Praise God. <clears throat> you have to discipline. You know, I, I have a prayer time in the morning. And I have people call, not y'all, but I have family and stuff call. And man, they don't get me on one line, they'll try me on the cell phone. And I'm just like, I'm not, sorry, I'm not answering the phone. I am praying. I am not answering the phone. Because I, you know, because I know you're not dying. You know, you just had a little thought. And I, and I don't mind them calling. And I, I take calls after I pray. I return calls. Hallelujah. But if you don't get an attitude like that about your prayer time, if it's just like, well, I pray, but if anybody calls me on my cell phone, I'm going to answer. You will never pray. The devil will see to it. It's, it is, it's true. And if you can't say amen, say, oh, me. Hallelujah. Uh-uh. So uh, <clears throat> to every one of these churches that we looked at here in Revelation, we hadn't looked at all of them, and we may not ever get to look at all of them, but to every one of them, you can take my word for this or you can just read those two chapters, he talks about their works. And I think sometimes in the church, we found out we don't work for our salvation. There's parts of the church that hadn't found that out yet. And they think if they don't work for God, they will go to hell. And so they're working. Bless God, they're working. And uh, uh, we found out, though, you don't have to work for salvation. You don't have to work for righteousness. You don't even have to work for God to bless you or heal you. And we said, okay, I'm not going to work then. But we are called to good works. Let's read some scriptures about that. Um, we're called to not be slothful in it. We're called for, to excellence in working for Jesus. And that doesn't mean being late to what you're, what, you know, you say, I'm, I'm serving God. And you're late all, every week to your, to whatever it is you do for God in the church. And it's not all about serving the church either, serving God. Really what it's about is doing what you're called to do and using the gift that's in you. And if you're called to be an evangelist, but you say, but you're not doing that, and you're just saying, but yeah, but I work in the nursery. That's not good enough. That's not. You're not serving God. You you have to serve according to what He's called you to serve. I mean, it would be nice for me to just say, I think I'll work in the bookstore. I I don't really like this because, you know, I want to be popular. 
Because I realize, you know, speaking the truth boldly is not real popular. You know, and people, you know, sometimes try to act like they're afraid of you and all sorts of stuff. Uh, and which is fine. I don't even, I, God gave me the personality where I could handle it too. But on the other hand, you know, sometimes it'd be nice to just say, I think I'll sign up to go to the bookstore. You know, <laughs> that is so, that would be, e that would be easy for me. I could do it, you know, or I'll just keep the books like I already do. I'll just do that. And pastor, you just take care of the rest of it. And a lot, I know a lot of preacher's wives that are doing just that, that they, cause I know I've been in their churches and God had me speak a word to say, you know, you need to teach the word. And they're like, uh, 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 no, no, no. My husband takes care of that. Well, you aren't serving God if you're doing that. Because you got to serve Him according to His terms and according to the gift He's called you to and what He's given you to do. Hallelujah. <coughs> Hallelujah. And it's not about, well, Pastor and Miss Debbie hadn't asked me to do anything, so I don't, I'm not, <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know that's not going to wash. Acts 9, 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple. I'll just read these to you. Just listen. Or you can jot them down if you want to. Acts 9, 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works. Full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. Just constantly serving people. And you don't have to be in the church. You know... Just you can knock on the neighbor's door, alms deeds. That means helping people. That just helping people. Ephesians 2.10, For we are His worksmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. See, there's where I was talking about a while ago, is God's already got it planned out, what you're supposed to do, the good works that you're supposed to do. And you know, it's our responsibility to discover what good works it is that we're supposed to do and serve Him. And we can't just go off and live our life and say, well, I was really busy, Lord, and I just didn't get that done. And He's like, no, that's just not going to wash with me. And a lot of people have just let the, you know, and the world will take you and they will just give you job, 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 jobs. Because the because a lot of them are lazy. I don't, I hate to say it, but a lot of them just like, well, let's find somebody. You know, they, Jennifer, they would just let you do it all down there if you'd let them. Because they found somebody that, that, that knows what they're doing and is capable. They'd let Danita, hey, they'd let you do the whole office if you'd let them. Hallelujah. They'd let you do everything. You know, even a one a person that used to go to church here that we still keep up with him, he's, uh, well, I'll just tell you, it was Jonathan. He said, where he's at now, he said, if I, if they'd let me, if I, if I would, if I would, they'd let me do every job in the church. Hallelujah. And that's the way sometimes, you know, the world will try to, you know, because you have an anointing about you and you have a strength about you. Oh, they want you. They want you to be the head of this, the head of this little sale and that little fundraiser. And because they sense the anointing on you, they don't know it's not for fundraisers. And it's not for that. It's for the kingdom. It's for the kingdom. And we don't, we can't squander the anointing on little, uh, on little Boy Scout fundraisers. You say, well, my kid's in Boy Scout. I feel like I need to serve. That doesn't mean you have to take on the whole responsibility of it. Hallelujah. I'm preaching good here. I mean, you need to think right about it because you don't, you don't even realize that it's the anointing sometimes that's making you so capable. 
so capable, so, so, uh, and then you, and then, and then, but we've got to focus in um, what one, one preacher said on TV the other day. I thought pastor invented this term, but I heard somebody on TV say thing. We've got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And it's a big job to do that. And it's not popular. If you keep the main thing, the main thing, it won't be popular. Hallelujah. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, 18, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. So our good works, we're to be rich in good works. We're not to have a few good works. We're to have, like Dorcas, many good works. Titus 2, 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Hallelujah. We're to be zealous for good works. Titus 3.8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. Careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Titus 3.14, and let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, and that, that we be not unfruitful. We need to be bearing fruit. We need to be fruitful in the kingdom. Hallelujah. Uh, let's look in Revelation 2 now. And I, let's go over the church at Theatira just briefly. That's where we got to, 218, the church at Theatira. May not be how you say it, but I just made that up, that that's a good way to pronounce it. So, <laughs> hallelujah. The angel of the church at Theatira, write these things, saith the Son of God, and he tells them then, and we do, I'm going to go quickly through this, the things that they were doing good. He said they had good works. And he told that to every church. Every church had some level or another of good works. He said you have a, a you, charity, and lo, that's love. It also is benevolence. They were very benevolent. Hallelujah. They were servants. They had a, their service was strong. He said they had faith. They were, this was a church that had faith. They had strong moral conviction. They were believing. Hallelujah. They had patience. Hallelujah. Patience there means cheerful endurance. Y'all see where we're at going through verse 19? Charity, service, and faith, and patience. And thy works. He repeats the word works here. So the, he mentions twice that they had works. And he, but he goes on to say, and the last to be more than the first. I believe what he's saying there is that their works were, he mentions that twice in faith once, that their works were a lot bigger than their faith. In other words, they were, they, have you ever, I know we, the Baptist church, we weren't big on faith. But, and, and I don't know what they're like now, but back in the olden days when we were there, it was big into works. You knew that you were supposed to serve. They, I don't know how they got that across to us, but we knew we were supposed to serve. And so we had works. Hallelujah. And so, um, I mean, we worked in vacation Bible school. We worked. Hallelujah. But we didn't have faith. And so it's important that, that a church have both faith and works. Hallelujah. And then he said that I have, uh, he, uh, he, he goes on then with, um, <clears throat> let's see, where am I at? 
the church at Theatira, against them, he said these things. He said that there's a, that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophet, you've allowed her to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. So this church was very lax. And obviously he's not talking about a specific woman when he mentions Jezebel there. But Jezebel, of course, was an Old Testament queen, Queen a King Ahab's wife and Jezebel had a controlling spirit. So this church is allowing a controlling spirit to be in charge. That would be something like when the pastor, you know, there are churches where the pastor can't do what he feels like God's telling him to do because some kind of controlling spirit is, 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 is working in that church. And he not only pointed out, cause a lot of, sometimes this will go along with it, not always, but, um, he said, you know, there's fornication in the church. And um, hallelujah, that's one thing we don't want in the church. That's just sexual sin that's in the church. Praise God, we don't want that. And he, so he, he said, I have those things against you. And then he goes on to say, um, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And we talked about that last week on another church, how they were... Uh, partaking of demonic things. We will stay away from anything demonic. Stay away from anything that has demonic overtones, even if it's subtly demonic. We need to stay away from it. Why? Because the Bible says you can't eat the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons, both. You can't have both. In fact, if somebody's been playing around with demonic things and you try to pray for them to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, many times they can't receive. And, and I have had that happen several times when I would pray for somebody. Not so much in this church, but, you know, somebody come in, say, and I, and I would talk to them about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but then I couldn't, I'd pray for them. I couldn't get them to receive because they've been playing around with demonic things or playing around with fornication. They're not, it's not, a, everything's not as it appears. And so drugs, it, drugs is kin, drugs is kin to uh, witchcraft. Same spirit coming out of the same root spirit. Drugs and pharmacia, I think it's called in the Bible. So uh, anybody <clears throat> playing around with those things, it, it gets to, it's a bondage. It begins to uh, work in that way, and it will really keep them from receiving from God. Healing, baptism of the Holy Spirit, all of those things. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And he told this church, this Theatira, he said, you repent or you're going to go into the great tribulation. I think that, you know, well, we're just going to have to wait and see. But I just want, here's my thinking is, I'll just make sure I'm right. And then I'll know I'll, and then I'll know I won't get left. I mean, you hear people preach, everybody's going. And there is a good argument for that, that if you're saved, it doesn't matter what the flesh is doing. But then you read things in the Word, like the ten virgins, and five went and five stayed, and you go, Okay, what do we do with this scripture then? Because there's no other explanation. So I tell you what, I don't think anybody knows for sure. So the best thing to do is to be right. And then you don't get left. Hallelujah. I used to have a friend who used to say, I'm going to take the first train out. You know, because some people preach the pre-tribulation rapture. Some people preach the mid-tribulation rapture. And some people say, we're going through the tribulation and then we're going to get raptured. Well, Let's get on the first train. I don't know for sure. I think it's I think it's pre. I hope it's pre. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know that Thessalonians says that he's not called us to wrath. 
And so, however, he's getting us out of the wrath one way or another. But um, I'm, I'm going to take the first train out, okay? And you, I want you with me. <clears throat> okay, in verse 23, he says, and I like this, he says, I search the reins in the heart. I am he which searches the reins in the hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. And so God knows. God knows. We're not going to hide anything from him. You may can hide things from men, but you can't hide anything from God. He knows our works. He knows our heart. He knows our reins. That's our innermost being. And then uh, let's look at the church at Sardis. If you go on down in, uh, hallelujah, that's in First. Chapter 3, the verse, very first part. And he talks about their works. He said this church has a name that you're alive. In other words, people think this is an alive church. Maybe they're going by numbers. They go, oh, that's a really alive church. Why, they have so many thousands. But he says it's not really that way. He said, uh, you have a reputation that you are alive, but you're dead. So, you know, you can't judge by outward appearance, can you? And he says they need this church needs to be watchful and pray and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. So this church is dead, and even the things that are alive about this church are, are really about to die. And he said your works are not perfect. That means those they, this church has works are not satisfying to God. You know, that's what we need to examine in our own lives is like I might be I might be peddling, but is my work satisfying to God? Hallelujah. <clears throat> I, I, I have to have to admit we, that I have to look at that. He said to remember what you've received and heard. And he said, repent. Think differently to this church. Um, he said, if this church does not watch and pray, he will come as a thief. And that's and and I the only other time I remember in the Bible that he talks about coming a, as a thief he's talking about the rapture that he's going to come as a thief in the night when no man expects him and they said it's like this church is not going to be really expecting Jesus to come back and so uh, that he's going to come as a thief where that church is concerned uh, and I'm not talking about you understand I'm not talking about a specific church anywhere I'm talking about. A, the body of Christ, and and you could have any one of these things in any church, or 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 you could have none of these things in any church. Okay, so so don't feel like I'm pointing at a specific church. I'm not. Uh, <clears throat> and then in chapter three, verse seven, he talks to the church at Philadelphia, and this is the church we want to be. I wanted to get there tonight. This is the church we want to be. And then this church at Philadelphia, this is chapter 3, verse 7, he does not mention even one thing that he has against this church. Nothing. He has nothing against it. And the word Philadelphia, we know, means love. He said, I know your works. He said, I've set before you an open door. That means an entrance, and no man can shut it. God ordained this church, this church at Philadelphia. And he says... He says here, let's read in verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. They kept the word of God, 
They did not deny the name of Jesus. He said, I will behold, I will make them which are of the synagogue of Satan, which they say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I, to know that I have loved thee. This is the only church that Jesus says he loves. And the word love there, I looked it up, is agape. Jesus really loves this, this church this Philadelphia church. He said, because you kept my words, you kept my name. He says, I'm going to make everybody know that I've loved you. And he says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep, keep thee from the hour of temptation. I believe he's talking there about the tribulation. I'm not positive, but that's what I believe. I'm going to keep you from the hour of temptation he says, which shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth. I mean, doesn't that sound, it sound like to you? That's what it sounds like. Behold, I come quickly. Hold thou fast, which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Uh, hallelujah. So this is the church Jesus says he loves. He has agape for. Now look at the last church, which is the Laodiceans. And this is, uh, <clears throat> hallelujah. This starts right in verse 14. And in about the Laodicean church, he said, I know your works. And this is the one we're most familiar with because we've heard this all our life. He says, I know thy works. Verse 15, thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. That word cold or hot, I looked it up. Cold means chilly. You are chilly. Hallelujah. And hot means zestos. God wants us to be a church that's zestos full of zest. Hallelujah. He said, I wish that you were either cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I spew you out of my mouth. See, that's why we have to fight the apathy that's in the earth. And don't let it get on us because it is out there. And it is in the churches. It's in this church. Apathy is in this church. And Pastor and I are fighting it tooth and toenail. And those of you know that we are. I mean, you can tell. We're fighting apathy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes fighting for the seem like the very life of the church, the very life of, of the body of Christ, that we don't all just sink into oblivion and let the devil just have Tuscaloosa County, just have the United States of America. The reason America is in the shape it's in is because the apathetic church let it happen. The apathetic body of Christ let it happen. It's not the sinner's fault. It's not the Muslim's fault. But the devil just takes anything he can. We've just, we've just, uh, been, we've just been busy. I'm busy. And so we say, I'm busy, and we don't do anything. We don't pray for our nation. He told us to, and Timothy, first things first. I mean, I'm guilty too. Hallelujah. There were years I didn't even know anything was happening in the news for years and years. I couldn't have told you. Anything. Sometimes I will hear about something in the news. They will, they will, they will say, you know, uh, Shepherd Smith does this. He'll say, well, this happened 30 years ago today, or this happened 25 years ago today, or 20 years ago today. And I went, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't even know that happened. I didn't know somebody was writing in the streets of Los Angeles, and I didn't know that. Why? Because I wasn't tuned in at all. Sure was. If you're not tuned in, you're not praying. Hallelujah. Now are you? Hallelujah. Woo. So uh, 
Praise God. God get, we got to shake off the apathy, fight it with everything. Sometimes it's just nearly tangible. Sometimes I bet Garland, can, it feels like it when he gets up to lead music. Like We could cut the apathy in here with a knife. We, and we just have to shake it off. And what we try to do is, that's why we pray before the services, is if we can set an atmosphere that is higher than you know how we all feel. Oh, and I tell you what, and, and you know, I know this is, let me, let's just say this. Can we say this before football season? Can you, can, you know, you can tell on Sunday morning, not even just if they lose. Now, if you lose, it's going to be really. Sometimes last year I'd say, oh, thank God, we can have a decent service this morning because we finally, we pulled that game through, you know, the ones that were close because you just knew. And do, you, do we all agree that that shouldn't be that way? Hallelujah. Do you know you can't be the national champions every year? I know Barry doesn't realize that, but <laughs> he's in faith. Hallelujah. But, you know, I've noticed that it even changes the service if we win. It's just football season. And if we're not careful, we, it's just anything can happen. You know, if it's too hot outside, it can change the service. If it's too cold outside. If it's raining outside, and we's like, are, are we really that fleshy? Or do we, can we stir ourselves and shake ourselves and rise up above that and say, no, I'm not going to be apathetic. Hallelujah. And then, you know, if we have a service, I think, where just everything goes wrong, have you, you know? Hallelujah. Oh, uh, thank you, Jesus. Well... Praise God. So we gotta we gotta constantly be shaking this apathy. Because it's a killer. It's a killer to the church, but it's gonna be a killer to the family too. And to the and to 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 your to your growth spiritually and your prosperity and all that. Okay, uh, he said uh, he said now this church, he's talking, he says you're lukewarm. He said, You're rich and increased with goods. On other words, so this church had prospered. I actually know churches that are like this, that they are very, very prosperous, and they have a lot of money in the bank. They have accounts, but they're lukewarm. He said, you think you have need of nothing. And, you know, and really that is the danger of getting a prosperous church. Because see, right now, like Pastor said Sunday, or he maybe said it last Wednesday, me and him, we can't miss a beat. We have to keep our faith so if we skip one day without being in faith, it, it, the, the ship could go down. But when churches get a lot of money in the bank, I tell you what, the, the pastor quits using his faith. I, I know people this way. Me and pastor know we have acquaintances that the church got a, money in the bank. They quit using their faith. They quit they got real lackadaisical, real, and you got, huh? Seeking pleasure, getting bored. When a preacher gets bored, the next thing the preacher's going to have is probably an affair. Or he's going to get him a boat and go <laughs> and say, God called me to a fishing ministry. I, I'm telling you. Because you get restless. You know, King David committed adultery because he got bored. 
And he's just at one night, nothing to do, looking around, looking over at the housetop, sees a naked lady. It was all over. Okay. He said, you think you have need of nothing. But he said, now here's what the Lord said. He said, really, you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. That means miserable, pitiful, beggarly, mentally blind, and nude. Not clothed spiritually. You don't have on your glory clothes, your clothing of righteousness. And he tells this church to go buy of the gold tried by fire, that you may be rich again. You know, when God tells us to buy, you remember in Isaiah, he says, go buy without money. He's always talking about using your faith. Hallelujah. We need to make sure we're always using our faith. Okay? Keep in faith. Make sure you're using your faith. Make sure you're, and believe for something, make sure you're believing for something specific. How many of you are believing to increase financially? All over the house. How many of you have a specific figure or you're just believing for real big? Don't raise your hand. I bet there's somebody in here that's just believing to increase real big and or, or they're just believing to increase. But if you're just not believing for anything in particular, your faith will be weak. The more specific your faith is, the stronger it'll be. Because if you're just believing to increase, well, I'll get a nickel out of my purse and your prayer will be answered. See, that wouldn't satisfy, would it? That's not it. But isn't that increase? And that's a lot of times we think we're just not getting anywhere, but we need to use our faith specifically. And using our faith keeps us hot, keeps us from being lukewarm. Hallelujah. So get something, get, get a figure from the Lord and write it down and believe for something specific. I don't care what it is. Because when you get that, then, and it may take you six months, it may take you a year to believe God for $50, but believe for something specific. And then when you get that, believe for something else specific. And don't just believe for all my bills paid or my credit cards paid off. Believe for something specific. Get you a figure. Amen? Because you'll know when it comes. You won't, it won't just be increased. Because if I gave you a nickel, you know, if I just said, here, Melissa, here's a nickel when she walked out, she wouldn't even know God had blessed her. But that would be increase. And so, y'all get it? Y'all catching that? Okay, so we're going to be specific. Let's pray just for a minute. We went long tonight, but we needed to finish up. Hallelujah. Sometimes we're anointed to learn. Sometimes we're anointed to pray. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to please the Lord. Let's, let's stand up and we'll pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Let's pray in the... Let's pray the pray the plan of God. Hallelujah. Let's pray where we're let's pray out. I'm I'm Pastor and I are praying out the plans for fall. Hallelujah. Right now. So let's do that. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.